2: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to icanwin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNC's apply.
1: Melbourne becomes the centre of the sporting world. As the best tennis players on the planet converge on Australia's sporting capital. Serves up the middle and finishes with an ace as authoritative as you could ask for. The biggest points from the biggest matches live from Rod Laver Arena. And around Melbourne Park. Back up the line by Djokovic. Puts in the drop shot. It brings Djokovic forward. He couldn't get to it. What a point. Across Australia and New Zealand. On air and through the app. Oh, you beauty. You little beauty. This is the 2022 Australian Open on
2: SEN. Thanks to the super fast charging all electric Kia EV6. It's as silent as the critics. Find out more at AU.
0: I'm just being me. Uh, that's all I can be, that's all I can ask of myself and, and it's about going out there and, and trying to do the best I can each and every match. Um, I, know, I know I say it a lot but regardless of, of the, the number next to my name, uh, that doesn't change the way we approach it and it feels like an eternity since I've played uh, here at home so it's, you know, it's exciting going into it uh, and I'm very fortunate and grateful that, um, that, that I'm in the draw and I'm, I've got a chance like everyone else.
3: Barty goes at wide. Beautifully done. That is a big clutch serve when she netted it.
4: Now it's Barty using control. She's got a smash. Pagula throws up another lob. It's a smash for Barty and she puts this one away. Emphatically, the ideal start for Barty. The short slice from Ash is deadly. She is surgical. She has cut
5: Pagula to pieces. There's
3: not many girls out there that that hit a slice backhands. I think the the fact that they don't see it that often and then have to come up again. It's it's actually quite funny when you see who Ash has to play and then you see him out there practicing, someone hitting a slice backhand to him It's it's probably a bit late the day before, but try and get that right. If you haven't practiced it enough now, you're probably not gonna get that right.
4: Switch out the lights. This party
3: is over, I'm telling you. One hour and three minutes. The world number one is a step closer to an Australian Open final. Down the tee, back-end response just over the net. There's the forehand into the open court and Barty's got to the final.
0: That's what we ordered and that's what she's delivered. To be in the finals weekend of, of your home Grand Slam is, is what a lot, of, a lot of Aussie players dream of. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's going to be an incredible experience come Saturday. I can't wait to go there and enjoy it.
2: It's just about time for you to start the process to get ready. You have one more to go. Are you ready for it? Absolutely, let's do it.
4: Australia, are you ready?
3: Good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome to Rod Laver Arena. I've got to say, I've just got a touch of the butterflies hearing uh, that uh, intro. It's been nice and calm for the last 13 days, and here we are on the cusp of something extremely special on Rod Laver Arena tonight. Ash Barty trying to become the first Australian Open champion. For 44 years. It was Mark Edmondson on the men's side, 1976. Chris O'Neill is going to join us in just a moment in uh, 1978. It's been a drought that we desperately want broken on the singles uh, front tonight. I can tell you the atmosphere is really building. We've just come off an epic uh, junior boys uh, final where one of the participants had to be wheeled out on a wheelchair that went three... And three-quarter hours that we thought might have gone for another hour and really pushed the night back. But that's been concluded. And now we await the women's final uh, tonight. Ash Barty, of course, the world number one up against the 27th seed from the United States. Danielle Collins who's only got eyes for one prize tonight, and that's to lift the Daphne Akers trophy as well. She doesn't mind being the villain. She won't worry about the crowd not being in her corner because this realistically is maybe the one window she will have to win a Grand Slam trophy. You feel like Ash Barty. If she doesn't win tonight, it's going to win a few more. But hand on my heart, we want to see her absolutely win tonight. It's been six rounds of total dominance. Has not dropped a set. Serenko... Bonzetti, Georgie, Anasimova, Pagula, Keys. It's been clinical. Every match around the hour mark. For Danielle Collins, she got through the first two rounds quite comfortably. And then rounds three and four went the journey in the heat against Clara Towson and Elise Mertens. And then, of course, in the quarterfinal, she dispensed of Elise Cornet. And in the semifinal, she was clinical. She went to work with that beautiful uh, cross-court backhand to dispense of Iga Swiatek. So different paths to the final, but Collins is certainly ready. We know Ash Barty is ready. And this house tonight... Rod Laver's house, who will be in the front row, is going to be absolutely uh, packed to uh, capacity. So we look forward to the build up over the next uh, hour and a half. We'll have a chat to uh, Lou Fleming, who's been a big part of our team, uh, to give us some real analysis in the next uh, half hour or so. And after seven tonight, We're going to be joined by the 2011 US Open champion, 2010 French Open finalist. The resume goes on and on. We'll uh, get into that a little bit later on with Sam Stozer. So it's going to be magnificent to have Sam alongside me to call all the action, someone that knows Ash Barty extremely well. But one uh, one name that I walk past every day to get down to our little bunker here is Chris O'Neill. 1978 Australian Open champion. It's quite an extraordinary story of how she actually did it. She's come down from uh, Port Macquarie and we're lucky enough for her to join us right here in the box. Chris, uh, welcome to you. I've got to say, how good is this view?
4: Amazing! Thank you, Brett, for having me here, and um, to everyone for having me here. Uh, this is yeah incredible. Uh, um, just so close to the players, and obviously different p- perspective on on speed on all of it. It's great.
3: Now, when we come down to this bunker, I've been coming down to this bunker for about uh, 10 years, and of course uh, we walk up into the corridor. All the Australian Open champions of the past, and you happen to be right at the door. So I've been walking past you for about a decade. So it's actually <laughs> lovely to meet you in person. Yes,
4: you too, <laughs> Port Thank Macquarie is home. McCoy is home. I've been up there for about seven years. Um, it was a lifestyle change to 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 go there and um, sort of semi-retire. I want
3: to go back. I mean, 1978. I mean, you are a trivia question uh, that trivia. everyone uh, loves to answer, and and some you know have sort of short memories, and they go oh, 1978. Who who did win back then? And then you go back through the records. Chris O'Neill. Um, I imagine you would love to be able to, you know, hand the baton on at some point. It's a nice thing to have, absolutely, and that'll be never taken away. But to hand the baton over to someone like an Ash Barty would be, I imagine, a great feeling, just the way she carries herself. My understanding is you haven't met Ash, is that correct?
4: No, I haven't met her yet. I'd, I'd love to and hope hope to do so. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm just really excited that we have an Aussie with, with such a great shot at, you know, Breaking this drought, mm. um, and you know, particularly with with somebody like Ash, who is a fantastic tennis player, and and also you know, seemingly a wonderful person. So, um yep. As much as I've enjoyed it and the fun I've had with it, uh, it, um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm ready. 1978
3: Kuyong, Chris. I go to Kuyong quite a bit. I only live about five minutes uh, down the road, and I'm lucky to have a, a membership at Kuyong. MC, quite a few functions, go to uh, lunch there, but I never went to the Australian Open at uh, Kooyong. But take me back to 1978. You became the first unseated woman to win the AO in the Open era, and then, of course, Serena did it, uh, ranked, what, 81 in the world back in uh, uh, 2007. But take us back for those that weren't around then and, and the 1978 Australian Open and how it all unfolded for you.
4: Well, it's completely different to today. Is there's not anything that's similar really? Um, as used to said, you just know, said, different court surface, grass, which suited my game. I'm pretty. I was pretty much a serve volleyer, and um, yeah. So look, it was it was unexpected for me. As you said, I was unseated. And, um, I had worked really hard in preparation. I'd come back early that year and spent a lot of time working hard in preparation and um I guess, as the tournament went on, you know i wasn't as surprised as in the beginning because um I was feeling more confident yep um very, very proud of it and um and actually really. Um, fortunate to have hung on to it for this long.
3: So you beat Betsy Nagelson on the day. Can you just, can you close your eyes and take back Centre Court, kuyong on that day? Just the atmosphere when you walked out, uh, just the, the whole environment. What was it like?
4: Well, it was the first time that I would played in a major, major final. So, um, in indeed, it was um, it, yeah, it was pretty breathtaking. But um, I managed to um, manage to get through it correctly. <laughs> so, yes, it was um, as I said, I wasn't in a major, major final before, so it was brand new.
3: How much did it change your life being a a Grand Slam champion?
4: Um. It, enabled me to, because we didn't earn a lot of money then, Mm. it it enabled me to continue to travel and to to continue to compete. And um, yeah, yes, it it, it did give me a little bit of confidence. Um, Yeah, but look, apart from that, my life didn't change greatly.
3: And... Uh, so post playing, just take us through your involvement in tennis. Obviously, there was some you know, coaching that you did along the way. So tennis, you know, th- we call it the sport for life, Chris. So it tends to stay in the DNA. Whether you go from player to coach or player, some go into commentary or some find a role in tennis because they just yeah. they love the sport that much.
4: Yeah. Well, I've, uh, it's now a hobby for me. I teach very little now, but I have, um, you know, been in coaching for many years, probably 35 years. I love to teach. I love I love the fact that we were in a different game style and, and different everything, different racket technology, different, uh, you know, less top spin. And so that was my game that I learnt, but then I relearned how to teach the the new game um and I love technique I love um, pulling things to pieces and and working on and working on how to make change and you know I've met some particularly great kids over the years where um, you know they, they haven't certainly become professionals but They've learnt some fabulous life lessons mm. and are really, you know, solid human beings now, which makes me very proud.
3: Yeah, there's more to um, you know, just the sporting results, isn't it? What just what sport can do for you, uh, being in that environment. So you talk about technique. I imagine you love, like all of us, just watching Ash Barty play. It's a bit of a throwback uh, to tennis in in your era. Just um, when you sit, when you're courtside sitting, Ash, just take me through your own thoughts of her game.
4: Well, her variety. Absolutely. Um, I hear that she learnt her slice backhand from her first coach at a very young age, which you know she's now using unbelievably offensively and you know dismantling players' games. Um, but so it is the variety. She would seem that she's done a lot of hard work on a serve because the serve is faster and the placement is better, and then she follows it up with her big forehand. But it, it all culminates with. Her attitude, and to put it all together, to bring it all together, and I think that's what she does so well. She looks, she looks calm. She looks confident. Mm. Uh, she looks happy. Yep. So, look, I'm really hoping that you know that will be the same tonight. I
3: Imagine, uh, like all of us, Chris, you you would love her humility, to her uh, sense of perspective. I mean, no one will ever know what anyone's feeling on the inside, but from the outside, she looks like she's just in a really, really good space. I mean, she comes out here tonight, and some some would phrase it as, you know, with a weight of expectation on her shoulders, but you'd never know it with Ash. She seems to have great perspective on all of that. It doesn't seem to be weighing on her, the, the sense of occasion.
4: No, well, as you said, you, you never really know what's going on inside, but I think that with her, um, with her team... Um, you know, I think she does a lot of work on that too, to to um, give herself the ability to to use her skills. Um, yeah, so, look, yeah, and for a young person, I mean, she's only 25 years old, mm. b- very mature and ve- very smart, obviously.
3: The juniors were out here earlier. You won the AO juniors in uh, 1973. What are your recollections of that? Because often those who win the juniors do go on to have an impact in the pros.
4: Yeah, well, I think there's only a few players who've actually done that. Um, yes, I beat my best mate in the final of the juniors, uh, a girl at that stage called Jenny Walker. Yep. Um, yeah, I remember that pretty vividly on um, court two at um, outside, on court two at Kuyong. Uh, but again, different, just completely different, um, different era altogether.
3: Mm. Mm. It's evolved a lot, hasn't it? I mean, you know, Billie Jean King and, and the and the you know the the ladies around her at the time who got the WTA to underway to you now create all these opportunities and the earning possibilities uh, for so many down the ecosystem. It's uh, it's it's evolved into a truly uh, professional game. Abs- but-
4: Absolutely, I mean, Billie Jean King was the pioneer for all of that. And um then it's just progressed into as it's expanded in terms of um people pla countries playing. The number of players that play in countries and the depth of field throughout. So the great, the game's grown enormously and obviously prize money's grown so it you know, it brings people into the sport. But yeah, it looked pretty tough to um pretty tough to get out there and make a living out of it today.
3: It is, isn't it? Yep. Did you love though the one-on-one sort of gladiatorial nature of tennis as opposed to team sports. Did you play a combination of sports and then choose tennis? Was tennis always the sport for you? Because you love that sort of one-on-one battle where it was you, just you out there and having to try and survive and, and problem solve and win.
4: Not so much that. I I actually had quite a lot of success as a junior and um, my dad loved it and, you know, so that's how it started. Um, Just in terms of being a singular sport, though, I I actually probably had better results with doubles. Mm. Um, So, look, I I think I'd say I enjoyed doubles more. It's good to get a bit of help out there.
3: (laughs) That's right. That's a good point because (laughs) we've seen the doubles put into a bigger spotlight at this year's Australian Open. So Kyrgios and Kokonakis have have um, yeah, certainly altered uh, just the scheduling of the, the doubles draw. And, I mean, for, for mine, Chris, I would love to see the doubles become more prominent at the majors and around the world. I often think it's sort of the afterthought. You know, we're putting it after the singles all the time, whereas most people recreationally play Ab- doubles. Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. I think it's a fantastic game. There's a, obviously a lot of finesse involved. Um, Yeah, and and even mixed doubles. Mixed doubles, you know, presents another set of dynamics that I think are interesting.
3: Did you enjoy that back in the day when, I suppose, your era allowed you to play all three? I mean, the the physicality, sort of 40 years on it, particularly for the men, it seems like it's so much harder now to be able to play uh, singles, doubles, even entertain playing mixed. I mean, no-one really does it these days.
4: No, No, no. And that's why I think there's become double specialists People who just play and, and, you know, make a living out of doubles. And then, you know, certainly the top players, because of that physicality, they're not able to, not if they're concentrating on their singles.
3: We're lucky enough to be joined by uh, Chris O'Neill tonight, ahead of the women's uh, final. Of course, the winner, the last Australian winner. Male or female, back in uh, 1978, of course, at uh, the famous Kuyong Lawn uh, Tennis Club, which is still the spiritual home of Australian tennis, still a, a very special place. When was the last time you got to, uh, to Kuyong? Do you have a venture there when you sort of yeah, get down pro- to Melbourne?
4: Probably about 10 years ago. Um, they actually gave me a membership. It's a beautiful club, so you've got, you're have got you in the right place there. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was probably about 10, 10 to 12 years ago.
3: Yeah. Okay, you'll have to come back because they've just done a massive Absolutely. redevelopment. Oh, risk, really? So, Another yeah, one? It, yeah, exactly. Well, they're putting more car parking because they've got that many members. Wow. I need to be able to fit in. Um, and everyone wants to play at the same time. So, yeah. yeah, it's an incredible, incredible facility. Yeah. So when you look at this final uh, tonight, I don't know how much you've watched of, of Danielle but I mean, There's sort of very contrasting styles out there uh, tonight. What do you think?
4: I'm hoping that, um, Ash... We'll be able to do the same. Obviously, Daniel Collins is a big hitter of the ball flat, and but what um, Ash has been able to do is diffuse that power, and with you know tactically with a slice backhand. So, I think if she can do that again, I think it's a very hard game to play against because a lot of these players don't play like that. So, you know, they get out onto the court and they've got not only the number one player in the world who's confident, but they've got a game style that they're confronting that's completely different to the one that, you know, they've played up until the final. So, um, look, again, I'm hoping, I think, you know, I'm thinking that that, my money's on her,
3: on that. You feel like she can find a way. She yeah. problem-solves yeah. so well and go to plan B, C Absolutely. and D. Absolutely. Can I ask you, when you were playing, what was the, what was your favourite shot that you loved to play? Because everyone's got a shot that would just feel probably. Be- better off the strings than any other shot. Yeah,
4: probably volley. I was a serve volley player. Yep. Um, you know, I was obviously tall as a junior, so I was pushed into the net. But also we played on faster court, lower bouncing court mm. surfaces. So, yeah, probably my volley was, was the more dangerous weapon.
3: <laughs> I think uh, we, we love seeing that style of tennis. We saw it on the men's side, uh, big yep. Maxine Cressy uh, just yes. coming in all the time. Sam Groth in yep. the latter part of his career. More of that place. Yeah,
4: it's unusual, isn't it? Well, it's just good to have variety.
3: Mm. Yeah. So what? Uh, so you're going to leave us uh, now, it's the pre-match. I mean, do you feel any sort of nerves uh, tonight, just the sense of occasion, or are you just going to sit back and relax and enjoy?
4: I get to carry, I'm doing the pre-match, so I get to um, <clears throat> pick up the trophy again and perhaps have it in my hands for, for one last time and carry it out on the court and uh, be in that environment. So I'm very much looking forward to that and, and to obviously watching Ash.
3: Well, we hopefully can add Ash Barty's name to uh, the Daphne Akers Trophy uh, tonight. Chris, really appreciate you coming in. Congratulations again. 1978, I was only four years of age <laughs> at the time, so... Go away. I don't know uh, <laughs> I don't know how much I took in. Maybe mum and dad had it on at home, but yeah. I have gone back and watched some uh, footage, and yeah. it's great to go to memory lane with you. OK, thank you. Thank you, Chris. What an absolute treat to have uh, Chris O'Neill uh, here in the bunker. She's going to be front and square in about an hour's time uh, lifting the Daphne Akhurst trophy putting it into the middle of uh, Rod Laver Arena so the crowd will be able to uh, certainly acknowledge the last Australian Open champion 22 years of age back in 1978 at Kooyong if anyone's got any memories of that I'd love to hear from you 0433 16 were you at that final were you uh, at, uh, at Kuyong that particular year, because I think 1977 they played two Australian Opens in one year. One was in January, one was December, but uh, it is quite an extraordinary story. 111 in the world at the time, um, and yeah, became the first unseated woman to win the Australian Open in the Open era, defeating uh, Betsy Nagelson in the final in uh, straight sets. And, of course, Serena went on 2007 to win, when she was ranked 81, had that uh, tough period of injury. It didn't really reflect... Uh, Serena's ranking but it was uh, a mighty if at the time considering uh, what she had been through. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. if you want to send some texts throughout the night we can also stockpile any for uh, Sam Stosia she's going to be uh, with us after uh, 7 o'clock of course. Magnificent to have Sam as part of our coverage uh, tonight to give us some real insights into this uh, matchup uh, take us through point by point. Uh, she knows Ash Barty as well as anyone. And as I look out onto Rod Laver Arena at the moment, uh, the two men who aren't getting, well, a lot of kudos, not much publicity of the all Aussie doubles final coming up, which we're going to bring you later on. Jordan Canelson Mark Woodford will uh, be courtside uh, for that following the women's final. But uh, Max Purcell and Matt Ebden right now are just uh, having a nice hit. Nathan Healy. Uh, Max's coaches out there, Sam Maxwell, who manages uh, Matt Ebden, uh, who doesn't really uh, hits a pretty good tennis ball. Uh, Sam, he's out there as well. The calm before the storm here, uh, before all the punters will be allowed in in about uh, well about three quarters of an hour's time. But look, they're certainly the underdog. Uh, well, they're certainly not maybe the uh, the punters' pick. Uh, but these two guys have played good doubles together. They've played more doubles on the circuit than Thanasi and Nick, so it's going to be a fascinating battle, and we're going to have an Aussie winner, so that's uh, something that we can absolutely take to the bank a little bit later on. SEN's Australian Open coverage. It's brought to you by the super-fast charging all electric uh, Kia EV6 and McDonald's. Try the Aussie Angus Burger at uh, Magus today, so it's tennis all the way through tonight. I've got to say sitting here now, having been... Now, a little cocoon here for uh, 14 weeks. Uh, watch Ash Barty go about her work. I mean, you just you pray now that she can put the icing on the cake. And we know that uh, you've got to start from zero. There's, it's not a given. Uh, Danielle Collins, we're going to hear from Danielle after the break. She is one hell of a competitor. And I'll tell you a little bit more about her story because uh, this is maybe her uh, one window. But she's built herself, as Sam Stoes, and we'll, we'll touch on this with Sam later, who wrote a great column in the Herald Sun uh, today. Uh, You can play the game if you've earned your spot in the top 30 of uh, women's tennis. And if we think back to when she was first here, 2019, and she was mature age because she had come out of uh, uh, college tennis, won the NCAA title twice, Uh, she was such a mature player, feisty great competitor, made a run to the semi-finals. we could not have picked her at all. So here she is three, three years later in a final. We'll come back after the break, have a listen to Danielle Collins. Lou Plemming has been a great part of our team across the last fortnight. Uh, she'll give us some insights as well. We're building up to Ash Barty and Danielle Collins, the women's final, right here, live on SEN
1: tonight. Park. This is the 2022 Australian Open live on SEM.
2: Thanks to the super fast charging all electric Kia EV6. It's as silent as the critics. Find out more at kia.com/au.
0: Seeing positive energy, hearing people's voices and and that's something that I really thrive in whether, you know, I have a full crowd going for me or whether I have a you know the opposite or somewhere in the middle i really just love the energy and i think that's what all professional athletes play for so i think i'm just really excited to go out there and compete and uh it it was kind of relieving today when i saw um ash and madison play and it looked like there were more spectators in the crowd um than you know a couple days before So, yeah, just excited to go out there and and do my best. I realized that, you know, there's going to be a lot of people supporting Ash, and um, it's all in good spirit.
3: So that is the voice of Danielle Collins in her first uh, Grand Slam uh, final. Uh, Quite extraordinary. If you asked me at the start of the tournament that Danielle Collins was going to be in the final, we wouldn't have picked it. But there's always a storyline that develops at the first major of the year for all four majors, really. Uh, And that's become the evenness of... Uh, women's tennis, 0433981116. You can jump on and talk some tennis tonight. Would not love to know your thoughts about uh, this matchup. Uh, your thoughts ahead of the men's final coming up uh, tomorrow, uh, the All-Australian doubles final uh, tonight. Let us know where you are, how you uh, are, are going to be taking him, Ash 98 uh, tonight, 0433981116. But for Danielle Collins, 26-16, uh, and 16 in the majors, actually met uh, second round at Roland Garros. remember being there when Ash won back in um, 2019, and that was one of Barty's scalps on her way to winning her first ever major, 7-5-6-1. Uh, Danielle um, has had a couple of matches, as I mentioned, that have really gone the distance uh, this week, but she seems to have come out of both of those matches uh, really well. I mean, Clara Towson, that was an incredible match, a young girl from Denmark, a former Australian Open junior winner here, who's uh, no doubt a player that's going uh, north in the rankings. That was two hours, 35 minutes out on court, and then the Elise Mertens uh, battle was was something else, Uh, two hours and uh, 51 minutes, and somehow she's able to come out of those two matches and then get to work, and she reset beautifully physically to beat Corne and Shviontek in uh, really um, convincing style. So she has gone down the collegiate pathway, University of Virginia. She won the NCAA singles title twice. That was back in uh, 2014 and 2016. Uh, She's currently without a a full-time coach. She's got a pretty small team. That have come on the road. You would have maybe heard uh, some of her on court interviews uh, throughout uh, the last uh, fortnight, which she's talked about some of the health problems that she's had uh, last year as well. But one thing she is, and certainly acknowledged by Ash Barty, acknowledged by Sam Stozer, and her column in the Herald Sun uh, today, she is just one hell of a competitor. I mean, certainly for Sam, she's met some big hitters throughout this tournament. Georgie Anna Samova. Uh, not so much Pagula, Madison Keys, who we expected probably to put up a far better display, Madison, in the, uh, the semi final. But Ash deals with those really well. Now, Collins doesn't have a lot of subtlety to her game, uh, but she is striking the ball extremely well. I mean, that uh, performance against Fiontech that we thought would probably go to three sets absolutely dismantled a player who's going to be in and around the top 10 for some time who plays an all-court game she just could not get into that game at all and the cross court backhand it was the forehand backhand up the line uh collins um was just in the absolute zone that night so when she walks out onto court tonight it will be the steely eyes it will be her player box. that will be supporting her no one else but she'll absolutely revel uh in that environment so What she puts up tonight, we'll find out. I mean, we've got a fair indication from Ash Barty's matches, probably within the first, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of what sort of match we're looking at. And if Collins can just unsettle Barty a bit, then maybe we've got a real contest. And then how Ash might react if she does drop a set, potentially, for the the first time in the tournament. I mean, I would go in tonight thinking that, feeling pretty confident that that Ash is not going to do that. I don't think there will be the lapse. I think she'll be able to get it. Uh, certainly on her terms, but if Collins does play some real lights, lights out tennis and, and takes things away from Barty and doesn't allow her to use her strengths, how will then Ash respond? And maybe they've been waiting for this moment the entire tournament, her and Craig Tyser and their planning. And the good part is, Ash can go to other things to get the match back on her terms. And that's what we love. She's multi dimensional. I think everyone describes her game uh, the same way, it's just beautiful. It's got every shot in the book. She can turn up the aggression when she needs to and she can play with that guile and the craft that, that just uh, you know really sets her apart from her contemporaries. It puts the ball into really difficult areas that players don't like. They like rhythm. They like the ball to be in the hitting zone and Ash uh, doesn't uh, always uh, do that. So Danielle Collins, look, she has earned her spot. She's had uh, four years being around the top 30. Last year won her first two WTA titles in uh, Palermo, And uh, San Jose, and that was on the back of those uh, health issues. And she's just an incredible competitor. And if you've got that as your DNA, then you're going to be in most matches that uh, you play. And the last time they actually played was in Adelaide last year. And Danielle Collins did take the scalp of Ash Barty. But this is a grand slam, and there is just uh, so much at stake. So we're certainly nervous, but I think we're confident. Of what Ashbardi has displayed across uh, the first six matches. It's been six love, six one, six one, six one, six two, six three, six four, six three. Anna Samova certainly tested her a little bit more, but Gula could not get into the match at all. Two and love. And Madison Keys had a little period there in the third set when she was able to win some of the rallies off the ground. But uh, Ash, once again, was just too good. 6-1, uh, 6-3. Six, six, we'll take a break. Uh, we're going to get some thoughts from uh, Lou Plemming uh, very shortly, who will uh, drill down and analyse this a little bit further. Keep your thoughts coming through. 4 98 11 16 Tony says on the text, uh, Brett, Chris O'Neill, remember as it was like yesterday. I hope you enjoy that chat off the top. If you're just tuning in now and you've missed the Chris O'Neill interview, it'll be podcasted as well. So you can go back and have a listen to the 1978 Australian Open champion just going down that memory lane. We're building up to Barty and Collins. They're just closing the roof here. The fans are coming in and uh, it's going to be a great build-up about an hour away from the Australian Open women's singles final.
1: Melbourne Park, this is the 2022 Australian Open, live on SEM.
2: Thanks to the super-fast charging, all-electric Kia EV6. It's as silent as the critics. Find out more at kia.com.au
3: up to the women's final, great to have you with us on SEN right across uh, the network, wherever you might be, across Australia, across New Zealand, across the world. I want to hear from you tonight. Brett Phillips in the chair. Sam Stose is going to join me in just under uh, half an hour. We'll have a chat to Lou Fleming in just a moment and then we'll welcome out Ash Barty and Daniel Collins who will walk out on court just after uh, 7.30 here in uh, Melbourne. Uh, the boys, uh, Maxi Purcell, he's just coming right up to our window. He and uh, Matt Ebden are just uh, Having a nice hit on RLA ahead of their big doubles final tonight against the 2Ks in Nick Kyrgios and also Thanasi Kokonaka. So that is certainly something to look forward to. Lou Pleming has been outstanding with us across uh, the fortnight with her (laughs) expert analysis. And uh, here we go, women's final, Louie. We're ready to go. Good evening to you.
5: Cracker, thank you. Yeah, fantastic. Cannot wait for this, Brett. This is just going to be absolutely amazing uh, for Australian tennis, for the whole Barty team, and we know it is big. It's it's growing, and we know how much, uh, you know, what what her team means to her. So she's not doing it just for herself, um, and not just for Australia, because she really is. I think she's I think she's handling herself extremely well, Brett. It's amazing. I mean, there is a lot of weight on her shoulders, and obviously, she wants this she wants this one more than any of them.
3: Yeah, she does, Luke. Yeah, she absolutely does, and. She's up against a player who, and whether it's fair or unfair, but, I mean, sometimes in tennis you might only get one window, one window to win a major. Here's Danielle Collins, who's yeah. a bit older, who's matured a little yep. bit later. I mean, she's playing, been playing tennis like everyone who goes into pro tennis. You start when you're a little tacker when you first pick up uh, the racket. And, you know, she might, she might have thought in her heart of hearts that she may never make a Grand Slam final in her career. I mean, you have that belief and the hope and the dreams, so... So much for her to play yeah. for uh, tonight.
5: Absolutely. About three years ago, I watched the first round of Danielle Collins and Petra Kvitova. And Danielle lost that match. And she was out the back and she was balling. It's one of the best matches I had seen for the first match of a year. Uh, it was one of those, uh, it was, you're living on the edge for every point. And I went up to Danielle Collins after the match, and I just said, you know what, you keep playing like that, you're going to be playing some great tennis, and you're going to be winning big events. And she she looked at me, and she just said, well, thank you, because I didn't know her, and i just commentated her match. And I just said, this girl's got so much fire in her belly. I think the outstanding thing for Danielle is that she is extremely hungry, and you know, right now, as much as people can say she's got no pressure on her shoulders because she's not even expected to be here at the final. But trust me, the minute you, minute you walk down the, the walk of champions and you walk onto Rod Laverino she's going to be shaking for a little bit. There's no question about it. This is huge. But the one thing she is going to do is just put in her big-time game tennis and she won't take the foot off the pedal. We saw that the other night when she played uh, Eager. Um, yep. She's been so impressive all all tournament.
3: Really, it's um it's pretty incredible that she's in the final. So Barty's got the 3-1 head-to-head. Barty beat her in Adelaide last year, yep. but really it's now about the current and where both players are at. And, and Sam will join us uh, shortly, as I've mentioned, and she's wrote a really good column in her Herald Sun uh, today. I mean, Collins, you don't get to, you know, the top 30 where she's sort of been high as 23 in the world. If you can't play the game. So she's a worthy opponent. I mean, people were just looking on paper. Number one seed, number 27 seed, and she's effectively the world number 30 with some of the women uh, not here. So she's lifted up a couple of seedings. But as we know in women's tennis, it's pretty tight, Lou. The margins are are pretty small, even though I think we go into tonight thinking Ash Barty, if she brings everything she's brought across the first six matches, she is head and shoulders above everyone else at the moment and been able to... um, Expose the weaknesses of her opponent better than anyone.
5: Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right, Brent. Um, she's she's handled all types of players. Um Cerenko, first round, Bronzetti, who's a clay quarter, and then from there on there are a lot of big hitters. Um, Camilla Giorgi and Pagula and Ennisamova. All these players have played very similarly and and not to mention that this match is another big hitter. So she's been able to diffuse those big hitters and, again, just bring in the diverse game style, you know, that she's able to play. And she really, it is all about kind of making her opponent feel very uncomfortable. And again, tonight, we talked about this when she played Madison Keys: Get that ball down low, get the ball up high, get the ball to hit with shape and bounce outside the court. And not allow Danielle just to get that strike rate, that ball where she's just got the rhythm and she's dictating. I felt that Eager, Svantec against Danielle was just hitting way too short and I felt she was she was able to really manipulate Eager around. That's not going to happen tonight. Ash Barty has play, been playing with such depth and she's able to get that ball to shoot off the court. As we talked about it, these courts are playing fast and they actually... Get that bounce as well. So Ash has got a little bit of both. I think, you know, I, I think for Ash, it's got to be her serving game tonight. Again, we talk about that because if that if that ball lands a little bit short, like Eager's serve was landing short, Danielle Collins was hitting the most unbelievable returns mm. the other night. It was outstanding. <laughs> she won't be able to do that tonight against Ash. So she won't be able to draw confidence out of one of the best things that she does, and that is her return game.
3: Hey, Lou, just as an occasion, where do you, where do you sort of yeah. rate this? I mean, you, you love sport. I, I love sport. And we. I want to put this out to our uh, listeners as well. 0433981116, you know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, you know, um, uh, teams or individuals who have achieved, uh, you know, great things. But this is significant because Australian tennis, we've been crying out for a homegrown champion uh, for, mm. for, for so yeah. long. Uh, we've seen, you know, Leighton and others and... Uh, obviously, Sam and, and and Pat Rafter and and others about to win you know, some of the overseas majors, but we've been crying out for a homegrown Aussie winner. Where, where do you sort of put this as an occasion compared to you know other big sporting events?
5: No, I think it's incredibly way up there, Brett. I think this is amazing, and you know I think back. I guess it was about ten years ago now. I commentated Ashbarty's win of Junior Wimbledon, and mm. I sat there and at the end of the match, to see her be Christina Mladenovic, the favourite player who was, I think, two or three years older, um, I had tears in my eyes because I just felt this young player was just outstanding, extraordinary, um, to show the confidence and calm and, and to do what she did that day. Now, to fast forward ten years later and think what has she done, the way she put herself out there, Possibly didn't quite meet her own expectations. Left the game and then came back with a whole lot more passion and insight of who Ash Barty was. We know she's done a lot of work on herself. I think Hmm. this is way up there. I would put it, uh, you know, this is an individual sport. This is something that this young lady has dreamed on for a very young kind of age, knowing she won junior Wimbledon. She's been waiting for this. Uh, And I think... Well, this is so impressive. We know we haven't had a female Australian winner win since Chris O'Neill, and that was a long time ago. Um, We've been salivating for this one uh, for many years, and and I think we were wondering, you know, when are we going to produce someone that is able to compete with the likes of Venus and Serena and and Mm -hmm. those players and the big hitters? Um, We haven't produced a big hitter. We've produced a phenomenal... Um, young lady that just can do just about anything out there. Jim Joyce really um, was living beyond his years by teaching Ash Barty how to play almost like a young boy. Yes. Because um, yep. she she plays so different. She's an outlier, and I think this is spectacular for Australian tennis.
3: Yeah, and Jim will be in the uh, the coaches box uh, tonight. And, and just I mean, just her personality away from her tennis, uh, Lou. Her humility and grace, and the way she conducts herself. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue that. She might be the, right now the most popular sports person in this country. I know we've sort of got a a tennis lens uh, you and I, but I think if we did a straw poll, it'd be. I mean, who's more popular right now? Everyone, everyone loves Ash Barty.
5: No, they really do, and I think you know it doesn't know it doesn't matter where you go. If you go to the supermarket uh, and talk to people that don't really know anything about tennis, or you go to the the mall or whatever. You know, this has really touched all Australians. I think you can't, you know, you can't even look at a TV um, without seeing Ash on some poster or or representing, you know, Vegemite or doing something um, amazing and and doing good. We know all the work she's done for the Indigenous community. I mean, she is just an amazing role model. You know, I take my hat off um, to all the people that have helped her. Her parents, they've obviously done a great job. And you're right, the humility stands out. I, I travelled with Ash when she was about uh, 14. We went to Mac Gambia to a, a $25,000 tournament out there. And her tennis intellect, I tell you, is was um, phenomenal. You didn't have to <laughs> teach Ash Barty much. She was going to teach you a thing or two. Um, and she's certainly teaching a lot of young people in Australia to go to a tennis court and go and live this um, or learn you know, this this great game of tennis, it's a phenomenal game, and certainly, gosh, hasn't it got her some places in the world?
3: Oh, boy, oh, boy. French Open, Wimbledon, Australian yes. Open. You, you feel like she's going to uh, win all four, and, and then how many? What it all adds up to in the, the long term is uh, all ahead of us. The most immediate is right now in the moment of winning um, the Australian Open, which she is certainly... Desperate to do uh, just one on the text here, uh, Lou and uh, BP. Winning form is good form. I'm sticking with you here in Abu Dhabi after the semi brilliant call. Have a uh, magnificent Saturday, beers, barbecue, and barty Bring our girl home. <laughs> that's our mate Damien who's been listening to us in Abu Dhabi. Yes, we drove off the yes. road the other day. Oh,
5: G'day, Damien. <laughs> that's true. That's true. He said he was snoozing. Oh wow! Look, it has brought people together, and there's been so many great conversations. Um, the one thing that you said, the humility of Ash Barty is quite remarkable, isn't she? And just a, a role model, uh, not only for the WTA. How lucky are they that someone that is a spokesperson um, just gives so much realness to what she does. There's there's not much glamour and and kind of shine about what she does. It's hmm. it's real and it's honest. And um, yeah, I think it's it's really special. We don't always see these these kind of qualities with, um, yep. with our great athletes, but she certainly has it in spades. Absolutely in spades. Yeah, you never really hear her put her foot wrong, does she? And she'd always oh, apologise, I'm sure, if she ever offended, I tell you. <laughs>
3: yes. Uh, one here, I was born in 2002. <laughs> There's never been a more important night of sport in my life. Go, Ash. And uh, one here, Brett, um, it is Murray. Thank you for the lovely courage. You uh, coverage you give to the blind and visually impaired that can't uh, follow it on the TV. You've done an awesome job and deserve a medal for your week. You're too kind, Maza. I know, Mazer. I've met Mazer down there at the um, the cattery uh, down at Geelong, uh, where the radio is. Uh, I know Murray, a huge part of your life, and that's that's what we um, that's what we aim to do, just to paint the picture and and take you inside the Australian Open. So it's been great to bring it to everyone over the last uh, fortnight. Um, what's the scoreline going to be, Louis tonight? What do you what are you thinking?
5: Well. Really interesting because I thought Ash probably wasn't going to start as well as she did against Madison Keys. And I almost thought if Madison comes out and she's playing big and fast, it might take Ash a little minute to get into gear, but I'm I'm actually thinking tonight it's it's going to be two straight sets. I thought it was going to be three against Madison, but but at the speed and the intensity and what Ash has been able to produce I actually think this is going to be... It'll be like a 6-4, kind of match. Um, much has got to be done by Danielle Collins. Um, being, you know, at a Grand Slam final for the first time, yeah, I wonder how she's going to handle that. But up until now, she's been pretty amazing. She has had one win against Ash back in Adelaide a while, a while ago. Um, but I think Ash is the newer, improved version uh, from that win. And I think
3: Ash has got it in coup. Fingers crossed. That'll be nice. That's been the theme of her six matches so far. Lou, thank you. You've been a great part of our team. Really appreciate it. And I know you'll uh, you'll sit back and enjoy this one like uh, like we will.
5: Yes, Brian. Thanks, Brett. And you you have a uh, fantastic call with Sammy. What great insights she's going to bring to to um, the call. Fantastic. Yeah,
3: great addition. Thanks, Lou. Lou Fleming, who's been uh, terrific. Great analysis. Uh, who's you know, done it all. Played. Coached commentated, uh, knows the Australian tennis team as good as anyone and uh, love lose passion for the game. We're going to take a break. Uh, we'll get to a few of your texts too. 043398 Keep them rolling uh, right throughout the night. We love the interaction. Any questions you want to pose, any observations, thoughts, where you are in the world uh, how are you feeling about uh, tonight? I'm sure you're finding a TV, a radio, uh, w- whatever the case may be uh, to, uh, to watch this. Uh, so make sure you have us on if you uh, have got the visual, and we'll take you right inside tonight with Sam Stoser alongside me. Jordan Kennelis will be in. And I'm just looking at some pictures uh, outside because we're under the roof here. You wonder what's happening outside. It's been a bit of a gloomy day in Melbourne, but there are people everywhere. Right across uh, the precinct. Uh, Those lucky enough to get a ticket inside RLA, uh, Garden Square, Grand Slam Oval, uh, people want to be here. Uh, whether you can get inside or you watch it on the big screen and uh, you never know if Ash wins later on and you're at the right place at the right time, you might just get a little glimpse of her walking past with the Daphne Akers Trophy. She's still going to earn it, though. We'll take a break. Uh, we're coming back. We're building
1: up to the women's singles final here on SEN. Melbourne Park, this is the 2022 Australian Open, live on SEN.
2: Thanks to the super-fast charging, all-electric Kia EV6. It's as silent as the critics. Find out more at AU.
3: Australian Open 2022 women's singles final coming your way in the next uh, 40 minutes or so as we look out from our bunker onto Rod Laver Arena where the roof is closed. Uh, There'll be, of course, some uh, pre-match entertainment uh, coming up and it'll be Chris O'Neill who was in the box with us uh, about an hour ago, the last Australian champion. Uh, here at uh, the Australian Open back in 1978 who will walk out and, as Chris said, uh, maybe touch the Daphne Yaku's trophy one uh, last time. She'll bring that out onto court and then we'll have a a couple of uh, live uh, performances and then we'll welcome in the players, Ash Barty and also uh, Danielle Collins. You can uh, really feel the atmosphere building right across uh, the precinct and it's magnificent to be here to take it all in. Jordan Canellis has slipped in because... Jordy, you're going to take the reins in a short amount of time, and Sam Stozer is going to be joining us as well. How are you feeling about uh, tonight?
6: I have been I've been in and out of nerves. So I was nervous at the start of the day when I was first making my way in. I've been here for a couple of hours already. I was here in the afternoon. i had nothing else to do, so I thought, why not? <laughs> just come in, soak in the early atmosphere, and it was obviously very quiet during, uh, during the afternoon, and then just flying around Melbourne Park here and there and everywhere and preparing for tonight. Every time I walk outside, there's more fans and more fans and more fans and now it's really bubbling outside Rod Laver Arena so uh, I was nervous at the start of the day I've been a bit occupied or well, preoccupied since then but now that I'm sitting in here and I'm looking at Centre Court and I'm imagining Ash Barty out there I am the nerves are building and you just you don't want to slip into the negative you don't want to think oh what if though what if she loses a set cuz <laughs> what could happen then oh, no. Yeah, that's going to be. It's uh, going to have nerves, just shockwaves throughout Australia. I think if she drops a set at any point, because can she recover? We know she can, but how will Danielle Collins bounce back? And how will the momentum of the game bounce around? Mm. So, yeah, there's all the what ifs and uh, and the, the possible permutations. But it's exciting as well. It's a it's a Grand Slam final. It's an Aussie in a Grand Slam final yep. for the first time in a while. So, um, well, Ash has done it the last couple of years, obviously, but not not here on. Melbourne uh, in Melbourne Park, Rod Laver Arena. So, yeah, history tonight. A bit nervous, says uh, Daryl
3: uh, from Ringwood on the text after the uh, Fed Cup final. This is France and uh, been able to handle hometown expectations but think Ash will have learned uh, from that. It's a good point, uh, Daryl. And I was over there we covered it, uh, the Fed Cup and it was, I remember there was so much hype around that because Australia hadn't won uh, the Fed Cup for uh, uh, a lot of time. And, you know, considering Ash was our number one player up against the French, who had a pretty solid team. But it was just execution that day. Uh, RACV Arena over there was absolutely full to the brim. But you're right, that's, you know, two years ago. And Ash has just come a hell of a long way. And, mm. um, you know, she's ironed out those little lapses, periods of errors. I mean, you just feel you feel really confident coming here that, You know, she's got things under control and um, things aren't going to get away from her. So uh, we'll see what challenge Danielle Collins presents. And if it did go to a third set for the first time, this whole tournament, how she would deal with that?
6: Yeah, look, as I said, you feel nervous and you you do think of what if, but at the same time, having said all of that, BP, and it's a good point you raise, and and Daryl off the text as well, the last two years of Ash's career, she's worked on those little things. She's worked on the mental game. She's worked on... Just you know, stealing herself, just you know, really fortifying her mind out on the court, and all those things that that can go wrong for a tennis player. Well, Ash has reduced those those potential what ifs and those potential uh, you know banana peels out there, and she's become more of a. Of a, of a steely player. She's become more of a, of a solid player out there. And you just you feel secure with Ash when you watch her. That mightn't have been the case a couple of years ago, but now when you see her out there, you go, ah, she's got it. Yeah. We, we know she's got it. Mm. And we know sh- how strong she is mentally. We know how unperturbed she is out there on the court. Nothing much rattles her. And every time you watch her, you know, every new time you watch her, there's something, you know, it's less and less. Whatever could rattle her, the percentage decreases. So she's yep. almost unflappable out there. Um, in a slam final, though, height you know the, the, the intensity is heightened, so things become a lot more tense. Indeed. So that, that's ahead of us. So just, we've got a couple of moments here
3: before we break, and you welcome in, uh, Sam. And I've been here all day doing these uh, junior finals. So magnificent... I the... thought I got here early. You've been here <laughs> since the morning, BP. <laughs> so Petra Marchinko, the number one seed, won the girls. Mm-hmm. So she's going to be um, one to certainly look out for because anyone who wins those junior slams you know, generally goes on to have an impact in the pros. And then the most extraordinary match between the top seed, Bruno Kuzahara, uh, Brazilian-born, who um, has immigrated to the States. Uh, The family moved there when he was one. uh, Japanese heritage. It was an unbelievable battle with um, Jakub um, Mensik, the uh, Czech Republic player, who is the fourth seed, 3 hours and 43 minutes, 7-5, and I had to get up and do the presentation. That's the first time. I had about 10 different people running around. Oh, I think we're going to get him out in the wheelchair. He had to go off the court in the wheelchair. Body had totally seized up, cramping. He played out the match. They had some unbelievable rallies. And I don't know if that's the longest um, boys' final. We were trying to chase that up. Uh, but that's the first time I can ever remember a finalist not being able to come out and actually get their um, get their trophy.
6: So yeah, two young guys who've got very bright futures. Had shades of Rafa and uh, was it Rafa and Novak here yes. when they had to have the chairs brought out for them to sit down on the uh, yeah. on the presentation. I caught a bit of that match actually. I saw the the second set and. Uh, Mensik, the, uh, the the Czech player, looks uh, looks a good type. He's mm. tall, he's got a good body shape. Yep. You always have that slight advantage already when you're tall. We see how many tall players dominate the, the tour at the moment. Not that small players can't, and mm-hmm. Kuzahara is the smaller of the two, and he, he obviously won. But, yeah, you know, Mensik and Kuzahara from uh, the Czech Republic in the United States, respectively. Just jot those name, names down, tennis fans.
3: Indeed, and uh, Barbora Krachikova was actually sitting there watching the whole match uh, with her coach... Uh, of course, who were playing the women's doubles final uh, come uh, tomorrow, and French Open champion uh, last year. So, check tennis—it's uh, just always been strong, hasn't it? Uh, just players uh, through the year is just filing through. They've had good team success, particularly in the uh, the Fed Cup, and they just—they um, keep finding very good talent.
6: I was actually looking at uh, at the 1978 Oz Open women's draw when Chris O'Neill won it, and. Even in that era of tennis, there wasn't too much of a European invasion yet. It was still Australians and and Americans, basically. The Europeans didn't really come until, I guess, the 80s, I suppose, and then then the the huge influx through the 90s. But there was still a Czech player in there, the number three seed. So they've just been around forever. And, um, uh, yeah, whenever you look through the the top 100, especially the the women's game, more so than the men's, it feels like, Mm. so many many high-quality women's players... On the uh, on the women's side, you think of just the last couple of years of Krejcikova, now Petra Kvitova, Karolina Pliskova recently, yep. uh, Barbora Sztorp. Mm. You know, going back another sort of generation, they've just been around uh, forever. So yeah, and I had uh, I was sitting in the radio room upstairs when the the boys' final was on, and there was. I think the Czech correspondent is sitting the row over to me. I know who that man is. Yes,
3: he's... I sit next to him at the US Open. Uh, He goes to all the slams. I think I know who you're talking about.
6: Yeah, yeah, and he uh, haven't really... He does a few crosses back to to the motherland every so often, but he actually put the headset on and started commentating the final in the room. It's normally pretty (laughs) quiet in there, apart from the odd you know, radio cross that pops up here or there from the, the different radio stations. But he sat there and he commentated the match right. of these two, however yeah. old they were, 17-year-old, 16-year-old kids. That
3: reminds me of the uh, the Austrian commentator the first year I went to Wimbledon, very strict on the rules, Wimbledon. Uh, how many yes. minutes per hour you are allowed to do? And Jürgen Meltzer was having a run that year, the former world number eight, and <laughs> he just broke all rules and ripped into uh, full-on commentary. <laughs> Uh, and uh, all these people who are, you know, going by the book, we're about to take this guy out anyway. Jurgen got knocked out. He packed his stuff up and he left, and that was it. Last time we saw him, <laughs> <laughs> so he, he thought, "I'm going out with a bang." I don't know if he ever came back uh, to cover uh, more Wimbledon's. We'll, uh, we'll take a break. Uh, joining you on the other side with Sam Stozer, who's going to be uh, mm-hmm. coming up in the box to give us her great insights uh, tonight knows Ash Barty uh, better than us and can give us a real feel of how Ash might be feeling uh, tonight. Danielle Collins, her opponent. It is the calm before the storm, the pre-match entertainment uh, to come. Chris O'Neill, the 1978 champion will uh, come out and bring the Daphne Akers Trophy into the middle of uh, Rod Laver Arena. Keep your texts coming as well. 0433981116 uh, right throughout the night. Let us know where you are, your thoughts. You can interact with us. Any questions you've got uh, for Sam uh, throughout the night as well they're very welcome 04339811.16. a break a break uh, back with more here from Melbourne Park
2: live on SEN thanks to the super fast charging all electric Kia EV6 it's as silent as the critics find out more at kia.com/au
6: welcome back to SEN's coverage of the Australian Open here from Melbourne Park it is women's finals night brought to you by the super-fast-charging all-electric Kia EV6. Despair not. Brett Phillips will be back with you in a few moments from now. He's just fulfilling his on-court duties as the MC at Rod Laver Arena, but he'll be back with you for the call of the match. I'm filling in for the meantime, Jordan Canella, with you. Sam Stoes is about to jump in the chair and uh, she'll be our special comments experts tonight on uh, on our coverage here on SEN. Uh, women's finals night brought to you by O'Brien Real Estate. Request an appraisal with O'Brien to win 10 grand. And speaking of that woman, Sam Stoza is here with us in the bunker. Sam, welcome. It's great to have you here.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Thank you. How
6: are you feeling ahead of the final?
0: Um a little bit nervous, actually, yeah, Yeah, I think I don't normally get nervous watching matches but obviously when it means a little bit more to you then, um, yeah, it it kind of comes through, but yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens tonight, obviously everyone's going to be willing Ash on as much as we can, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really good match.
6: Has it been something you've been ruminating on throughout the day or has it just hit you now as you've walked into Melbourne Park? Has it it been in the back (laughs) of the mind? How long? Oh,
0: look, I've I've spoken a little bit about this match, so it's always been kind of front and centre, but, um yeah, look, I, I think, you know, it, it's a grand slam fine. It can go either way. Um, but I think having it here at home in Australia, um, it's got that extra little bit of element of excitement, obviously, for everyone here. So a bit different to waking up in the middle of the night and watching it when, you know, she mm. she won the French in Wimbledon. So it's prime time and, and the crowd's ready.
6: And let's hope that she is too. What happens throughout the day? So being a, a champion yourself back in, the, uh, back in the US Open 2011, throughout the day, how do you pass the time? How do you try and try and suppress the butterflies if they do start to creep in? How do you just occupy yourself for those hours leading into the match?
0: Uh, well, I think the days can sometimes go pretty quick by the time you, you know, you... Do your thing in the morning, have breakfast, depending on what you'd kind of like to do as far as prep goes. Do you do a little bit of, you know, mobility or stretching or something in the morning? And then she was probably out here, I'd say, around 2 or 3 o'clock this afternoon um, getting ready for a warm-up. She, I think she was hitting actually around 6 o'clock. So, um, yeah, doing all the same routines i'm sure she's done for every night match that she's had here um if it was me that's exactly what i'd be doing they've all worked so far so you mm-hmm. just do okay what do i do at four o'clock that day what do i do at five o'clock what do i do at six and uh, and get ready for for tonight
6: is it is it more beneficial to sleep in a little bit because you know the night could be long you know it's a night match so you don't want to wake up too early and tire yourself out quickly does did, is it sort of natural for tennis players to have a bit of a, a lion?
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's no, I mean, there's certainly no urgency in the morning, that's for sure. So I don't know if uh, if Ash is a sleep-in type person, but, um, yeah, I mean, you can kind of cruise in the morning time and just, yeah, try and keep things as normal as possible. And, um, yeah, got a few butterflies probably. you would probably just trying to, like, Make sure you're eating enough food and, and getting everything down that you need to. And um, yeah, and then obviously as the day goes on, that's where you really got to start thinking about things. But uh, yeah, I don't think you, you don't want to be waking up thinking about you know first point of the match. What what am I going to do? Yeah. You need you need to relax a little bit.
6: Yeah, it's way too intense, too intense a way to wake up in the morning. You know Ash better than uh, than any of us do. She does strike me as the kind of person who probably likes to be an early riser would I be right
0: yeah well especially being from Queensland too whether you like it or not you are because Queensland you cannot sleep in
6: (laughs) Um, let's chat about yourself first Sam so this was your last Oz Open as a singles player Um, how did uh, why was now do you think the the right time for you to, to retire at least from the singles circuit
0: I just felt like the last couple of years have been pretty tough. Um, you know, obviously with the travel, the obvious reasons um, that everyone's been going through. But I think, you know, over the last couple of years, I wasn't winning as many singles matches as what I'd liked. And um, But, it you know, I was still training as much as what I needed to and, and was able to um, and playing fantastic in practice. I was, you know barely losing practice sets against some of the best players in the world and just couldn't quite translate it into the matches and then started having some more doubles success in the last couple of years and really, really enjoyed my time on court with that. And, um, yeah, kind of the end of last year after the U.S. Open, I thought, oh, that might, be, that might well be my last singles match. And then over the last couple of months, thought, oh, maybe I would like to play one more AO and, and I'm obviously so... Grateful for the decision that I made to give it one last one. And and I always wanted to finish here at home in Mm. Australia. Um, So I guess to kind of put myself on the line again for that, I'm I'm glad that I, um, you know, had the guts to do that. And then obviously grateful for the opportunity with the wild card. Without that, that I wouldn't have been able to do that at all. So it all worked out great. I was so happy with the way that I was able to play, get through a match, lose to the number 10 seed um, and, yeah, have have my I guess my moment here in Australia where I could go out there and enjoy it and, and yeah kind of say thank you.
6: But So the doubles is still going on though you'll still do that for the rest of this year at least?
0: Yep yep still planning on playing doubles this year so it'll be not a full schedule like I've been used to over my career but probably another 10 events or so for the rest of the year and play the slams and some lead-up events um, with my usual partner Zhang Shui and um, yeah hopefully we can Kind of keep going and, and, and build on the momentum that we got from winning the U.S. Open last year.
6: So, does limiting your your yearly calendar, taking away the singles now, and, and just focusing on doubles, what what extra liberties does that afford you uh, doing the travel 12 months a year?
0: Uh, well, a little bit more time at home, a bit more time with my daughter. Um, and yeah, can kind of I guess have a bit more of a, a life at home, and and you know, I guess do things like this as well. That's nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously you, you still got to train. You still got to do things that you you're always used to doing um, as a player. You can't just rock up to matches and think it's going to fall in your lap without training. So I'll be getting back into the training in a week or so, and and putting everything I can into it. And yeah, hopefully it all goes well. But it will certainly be a little bit different way to I guess go about a year but um yeah waking up every single day and and you know pounding your body is getting tougher and tougher (laughs) so if i only need to do that you know on a, a bit more of a limited time then i'm pretty grateful for that
6: but the body's still fit though otherwise like you're still feeling as good as you were in the last couple of years
0: yeah, pretty good. There's all there's been quite a few niggles in the last couple of years, and a couple more have crept up on me again after this week. But you know, I've, I've been pretty fortunate. I've only had a couple of things that have kept me out for months, um, you know, on end throughout my whole career. So I think as it, it, whatever it is, 20, 20 years or whatever, that's pretty good going. So, but there's always something. You never go on court feeling you know completely 100%. There's always something yeah. hurting. Um, so yeah, as long as you can stay on top of those and and not let them you know grow into something bigger, then I'd, I'd be
6: okay with that. Yeah, that that's the—that's the, almost the lie of an athlete, isn't it? As Is you. you... You go out looking like you're 100%, but underneath, everyone's got something, isn't it?
0: Yeah, even this week, I was like, oh, God, my Achilles is pretty sore today, but I'm going to run for that ball and make it look like it's great. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it takes its toll. I mean, I think everyone goes through that, and and if you don't have to, then, you know, that's just, a, I think, you're a very lucky person.
6: So uh, so what did you what have you feel like you've gotten out of tennis in the last few years? This the, Sort of the back end now of your, your career, the last few years of your singles stints as well. What did you take away from it?
0: I think that, one, I've been able to have, you know, amazing longevity um, and, and somehow um, still be able to, you know, have success at, at big tournaments, at Grand Slams. And, I, you know, I couldn't believe we won the US Open last year, 16 years after I won my first U.S. Open. So, um, you know, that's not something I ever had imagined. So to still be going out on court, one, enjoying it as much as what I am, um, you know, having success always helps with that. Um, and being able to continue on, I think it's just been it's probably a bit more enjoyable when you you know you kind of coming towards the end you realize how much you do enjoy it and, mm. and that becomes the main focus so um yeah I, I think it every part of your career has its different phases and elements of you know pressures and 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 things that you're successful at not successful at but i think towards the end you start really appreciating you know everything that it's got to offer
6: yeah so you feel satisfied
0: yeah absolutely i think uh, i achieve more than you know i achieve really what I wanted to which I I can't believe that and and more than what I really probably deep down thought was possible so um yeah I feel really good about walking away from that part of my tennis um now but yeah I'm very very happy with
6: my career aside from the obvious the 2011 US Open what's the most joyous memory you have thinking back on your career so far
0: uh, well, I mean, I think there's, if you're talking about, you know, tournament wins, they obviously go without saying lifting the trophy at the end of the week is always the highlight because it, it doesn't happen very often for many players. So um, if we could all be, you know, Roger and Serena, then uh, <laughs> it would be incredible. So you've got to really enjoy those moments where it all comes off. But there's certainly a bunch of matches that, you know, individual matches in different places where I can look back and think, yeah I'm really happy with that win against Hennen at the French Open or you know this player here or, or whatever it is and you have maybe five or six moments in your career where you just play completely lights out mm-hmm. and you cannot miss a thing and you know I've, I've had a few of those times so um, I remember those and think wow that was a that was a really good day.
6: <laughs> so with, with still more matches to come on the doubles circuit are you already starting to think about the future now and what comes after that?
0: Yeah I mean I've already been thinking about that for a few years anyway. I think I I had a a coach a few years ago, um, Josh Eagle, who even though I wasn't thinking about being retired or anything he actually we had lots of conversations about life after tennis and he was like trust me I've been around tennis long enough and been through it myself and um and his wife where you stop and you don't want to have to then start thinking of things that you want to do so even the last few years I've been trying to um you know get into some commentary doing this tonight um I'd love to get into some sort of mentoring and coaching um with the younger girls and and really stay in the sport I've done it for too long and and enjoyed it and loved it too much just to kind of zip up my bag for the last time and walk Mm. away forever so i'd still love to be involved in the sport in some way for sure
6: how much commentary have you done
0: oh bits and pieces over the years um this is my (laughs) first one this year so um yeah and and uh yeah but i'm I'm looking forward to it yeah (laughs) if you're gonna jump in jump in the deep end why not
5: (laughs)
6: excellent well we're looking forward to hearing you tonight sam Uh, we'll take a quick break here we'll come back on the other side and as we tick closer towards the start of this women's singles final we'll start to preview the match on the other side of this SEN's coverage of the Australian Open brought to you by the super fast charging all-electric Kia EV6 and for McDonald's try the Aussie Angus Burger at Maccas today Jordan Canellas and Sam Stose are with you in the Rod Laver Arena bunker coming back after this
1: Park, this is the 2022 Australian Open live on SEN
2: thanks to the super fast charging all electric, Kia EV6. It's as silent as the critics. Find out more at kia.com slash au.
6: Welcome back to SEN's coverage of the Australian Open. Thanks to Kia for the super fast charging all electric Kia EV6 here at Rodlaver Arena. Inside the arena, the lights are low. The blue lights are being pointed at the crowd. So it's illuminating... The, uh, the chairs but the court is dark and it's all very eerie and suspenseful as we get closer towards the start of the women's singles final between Ash Barty the world number one and the number 27 seed from the United States Danielle Collins. Jordan Canellis and Sam Stozo with you in the bunker Brett Phillips will be leading the coverage when he returns from his uh, on-court duties in a few minutes time. We're uh, waiting for the uh, competitors to make their way out onto the court in a few minutes all cameras were pointed to the Daphne Ackhurst Memorial Cup a few moments ago that sits glistening in one corner of Rod Laver Arena. Sam, let's talk about this match. Let's talk about Ash first. It's what everyone wants to hear about. When did you first meet Ash Barty?
0: I first met Ash, she was maybe 11 or 12 or so up in Brizzy. Um, I remember she was already using natural gut string and I'm like what are you doing like that is unheard of and um but yet somebody obviously of her talent um, at that age could actually use a string like that so you knew that there was something pretty special in the making
6: so what's the difference between that and what what a junior would normally use uh, one, it's a lot more expensive,
0: and you don't just want to okay. put it in your racket for the sake of it. So, um, but yeah, it creates a lot more feel off the off your strings. Doesn't last as long, um, so it's more expensive to get, and it also doesn't last as long. So you got to have more restrings. Whereas you know, typically, you just use a straight kind of poly string that you could mm. sit in your racket for two weeks and you know not worry. But it gets a bit loose, but you're like, ah, oh, it's fine. I'm 11 years old; it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> um, but no, I think right from a very early age, she uh, she was. Probably a, a bit more in tune with with that side of things.
6: The lights are completely turned off now inside Rod Laver Arena. It's pitch black. All the uh, phone lights, the LED lights, and the back of the mobile phones are starting to flicker on around the stadium. And we get closer and closer now. The uh, so what was what was Ash doing at that time? What were you um, what were you there for when she was 11?
0: Oh, we were just practicing at the same centre for the. First time I, um, I went up to Brizzy and, and that's where she was. And, um, yeah, just well, I knew her coach and, uh, yeah, just kind of met her, chatted. It was kind of like, oh, well, he's a youngster. I'd been playing a little bit. And, um, yeah, we didn't – I don't think we practiced or anything together at that point in time. But, yeah, it was just a kind of a say good day and, and see what was, you know, the future of tennis.
6: Did you – what were your first memories when she first went pro? So she would have been what? She would have been a teen, like teenager?
0: Yeah, I mean – she won Wimbledon, I think, 14 years old in the juniors, which is remarkable. And then um, my first real time, I guess, spending time with her and, and seeing her play uh, was the first time she was in the Fed Cup team. And um, she played her singles matches. Um, she was very young and played them, won them. It was you know, really impressive. It was a it was a really weird weekend that weekend where we were playing in Switzerland. It was raining. We ended up playing on two courts, which you never do at Fed Cup. It's always on one court. The whole team watches everyone, and da da da. We were on two courts. We were split, and um, I remember I was still playing, and she'd already walked off, and I think was coming up to watch my match. And I thought, geez, Sash finished quickly. That was good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was uh, that was a real eye opener to see. Okay. This this kid really is uh, really an experience, but taking this moment on like she's done it all before.
6: Was it different to when other young players come through? Because when you see a a talented young tennis player, you notice them, but sometimes you notice some more than others. Was Ash one that stood out above the rest, or was it like, okay, the talent's there, but when she works on it and gets you know works on these little things, then she'll be there, or was it just instant?
0: I think it would seem pretty instant from all reports. Like, I, I didn't watch Ash practicing every day when she was a junior or anything like that. But, sure. I mean, seeing her play from a young age I mean she had every shot already she could already hit a slice backhand she could hit you know top spin kick serve um, you know she could hit everything and her, I mean her, her weapons have just kept growing and growing and growing as those years have gone on but it's not like even at that young age she couldn't do something And and I think that's very unusual that you know someone that young has already got kind of all the elements there you just got to keep growing them and making them better and better it's not like you've got to learn a new skill at 19 years of age
6: what do you remember around the time when she left tennis to go to cricket Think, oh geez, Are
0: you sure you want to do that <laughs> because uh, you know tennis is a pretty good sport but um, yeah I, I think first a little bit surprised but then on the flip side it was like well you know if you're not enjoying it and you don't want to do it anymore you don't have to. This is her life. This is her choice. She can choose what she wants to do and, and everyone else can have their opinions about it. But at the end of the day, if she doesn't want to do it, she doesn't. And, you know, I think it could quite possibly have been the best decision she ever made was to step away. She had a break. She played cricket, realised that she did want to play again and now look what's happened.
6: Was there a uh, was there a feeling of despair almost among the tennis community that she left?
0: Oh, I think around a friend, like, Casey Delacroix and, and really close friends on on tour, and um, you know, I guess the tennis in general in Australia thought, oh, we've we've kind of lost a, a protege here and, and yeah. someone who could be a real champion. So for sure, people uh, would have been disappointed and upset, and and even more so why um, I think making that decision is even you know. Yes more remarkable for someone to not then take that weight of everything and just do it for the hell of it. Um, she stuck to her guns, made the decisions she made, and, you know, it, it has absolutely all paid off as best as you could ever have hoped for.
6: So she came back and uh, and she had a lot of success in the doubles uh, initially. So her and Casey, her and you at, at times as well. Mm-hmm. Did, do you think the doubles, having that foundation as a doubles player did that how much did that elevate then her singles game when she when she focused more on the singles a few years later?
0: Yeah, I think they can only have helped her, um, you know, winning doubles titles, playing in Grand Slam finals. Um, those are experiences, no matter what format of the game. You can't buy that experience. It's so different to going out there and practicing again, um, you know, with no crowd or anything. There's always something on the line. Um, and even though she was always playing singles at those moments, being able to work on her skills, come forward, you know, you're hitting more volleys and doubles and just feeling those emotions um, going through those events, it's only got an upside. Um, and, and especially at a young age, you don't have to worry about being tired or, you know, Pulling up the next day or anything like that, you, you can do that. So I think it, it's the best thing for a player is to play doubles right from the start.
6: Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. If you have any questions for Sam off the text line, send those through throughout the course of the evening. That's zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. To the to the recent times now, and the most recent last uh, three or so years when she's elevated her game now ash party and she's been at the top of the women's game for the last couple of years it felt like she was always there and she made a slow kind of climb up to the oh, a steady climb i should say not slow a steady climb up into the top 30 in the top 20 in the world and then she just clicked and went like that and then she's at the top of the top of the top of the top of the tree and winning slams what was that do you know what that flick was when she went from being a good player to being a world beater
0: well, I mean, <laughs> it's uh, it, it really didn't happen. That didn't take that long. Like even from when she began playing again, I remember seeing her play at Wimbledon. Um, she maybe won one of the challenger tournaments before Wimbledon straight away, and you're like, okay, that's impressive. Um, and then yeah, it was only a few years later she was holding the Grand Slam title at at the French Open. So it certainly was a steady climb, but I think once she kind of made that click and realised that she can beat the best players in the world, absolutely go, you know, toe-to-toe with them on any given day, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, you can't win every single match, but had that belief that she can absolutely do this and then you win your first Grand Slam. So that belief then turns into, you know, knowing that you've got the goods and you can do it, you know exactly what it takes. She's just kind of gone upper level, upper level, upper level, and now this tournament in particular, she's kind of just dominated everyone and has barely been troubled, which is
6: you know,
0: doesn't, shouldn't happen like that, it, it just yeah. seems too easy
6: Why does why does her game work? How does this game work? Because you think wouldn't power and pace be, be the way to go, isn't it? You know, you look at Uh, Successful players on the women's tour. I mean, Serena Williams has been the dominant force on on the women's tour, and she's got pace and power and a big serve, and Ash doesn't necessarily have all of that. She has it in parts, and she can use it when she wants. As we see uh, Chris O'Neill coming out, standing alongside the uh, the Daphne Akers Trophy. They just had a, a performance, which you might have heard in the background before, on Rod Laver Arena, and now the trophy is being presented by the last Aussie winner of it, here in, uh, in Melbourne. I was going to say Melbourne Park, but it was at Cooyong back in 1978. And uh, Chris O'Neill is walking it to the centre of the court in, a, uh, in a, a lovely pre-match ceremony. Ash Barty and Danielle Collins are uh, still awaiting down in the bowels of Rod Laver Arena. But now the Daphne Akhurst Cup sits in the middle of Rod Laver with all the spotlights shining down on it and the seats filling quickly inside centre court. What a sight in tennis. That's what's on offer tonight. The cup sitting right on top of the net. So, the uh, the, the, the quality in the game of Ash Barty, why does it work?
0: Uh, she's just got so many different elements to it. Um, you know, it, it doesn't look like she hits the ball that hard, but believe me, her forehand's got some pace on it. It is quick and... Um, you know she sets it up so well with her slice backhand to use her weapons. She's got a, a really good, sir, a big serve actually for someone of her height. She's got good technique. I think that's why it looks so effortless. But yet it is coming at pace that you know, not watching you know on TV that you can always pick up on.
2: We
6: might actually take some of this national anthem because I want to hear the uh, the roar at the ends and on our country.
4: gifts of beauty rich and rare
0: in him
6: Emma Ricks, with the honours of sitting singing the Australian National Anthem, stood right in front of the Daphne Akhurst Memorial Cup. And our competitors will be out in a few minutes from now on Rod Laver Arena. Jordan Canellis and Sam Stokes are with you to start tonight's broadcast. Brett Phillips will be with us shortly. He's, uh, that might have been his voice you can hear in the background actually announcing... Uh, the uh, the order of proceedings out on Rod Laver Arena. SCN's coverage of the Australian Open brought to you by Kia, the super fast charging all electric Kia EV6. Sam will be our special comments analyst throughout the course of the night. So Ash Barty and Danielle Collins uh, going head-to-head tonight for the fifth time in their career. Ash has the three-to-one head-to-head record and uh, she comes into this tournament as the number one seed. Danielle Collins is the world number 27. This will be the fourth American now in a row that Ash will have played after Amanda Anissimova, Jessica Pagula and Madison Keys on the way to the final. Uh, Danielle Collins sweeping aside Iga Sviontek in the semifinals a few nights ago to make this stage. Previously, Danielle Collins, it's been a short career for Danielle Collins. She is uh, in, uh, in her sort of early to mid-twenties. Uh, she's uh, three years older than Ash Barty at the moment, so she's... I'm trying to do the uh, the mathics, doesn't have their age on the sheet of paper we're given, so mathematics would make her... Uh, Something years old. She's mid twenties, anyway. Danielle Collins. But the point I'm making is, she was at college for a long time, so she went through the NCAA system um, for uh, for a few years, uh, which delayed, I guess, the start of her professional career. So she's been a late bloomer on the scene in women's tennis. But she made the semifinals of the Australian Open a couple of years ago in uh, in what was her debut, I was open appearance. And now, two years later, after battling endometriosis. Uh, she's made the return back and um, and I mean, she's been around the tour still but just has been hampered by this medical condition. She's made the full recovery now. She opted to, to uh, get surgery to help uh, the condition and here she is in her first slam final. We'll take a break here on SEN's coverage of the Oz Open. We'll get Sam Stoza, uh, her thoughts on Danielle Collins and the head-to-head matchup on the other side of this. SEN's coverage of the Oz Open Women's Singles Final brought to you by Kia and from McDonald's.
1: From Melbourne Park, this is the 2022 Australian Open live on SEM.
2: Thanks to the super fast charging all electric Kia EV6.
6: Welcome back to SEN's coverage of the Australian Open here brought to you by McDonald's. Try the Aussie Angus Burger at Macca's today. The lights are on. Is the roof open? I'm trying to see. I can't quite see from here because we're right underneath. Yes, it is actually. It's been opened back up. So the roof will be open uh, here for tonight's match on Rod Laver Arena. Ash Barty, we're seeing pictures of her down in the tunnels of Rod Laver Arena and she'll be walking uh, uh, one in front of the other with Danielle Collins up the Walk of Champions in just a few moments from now. Uh, Jordan Canella see you with you. Kicking off the coverage tonight, uh, Brett Phillips will take you through the rest of the women's singles match uh, from the first set onwards. And we'll have the men's doubles final as well later on. So as uh, Billy off the text says, I feel very nervous tonight. Just hope Ash can do it. And the doubles is a great match. At least an Aussie somewhere is going to be a winner. That will be the case in the men's doubles tonight. But we're hoping for two tonight. We'll get one. Let's make it two as well in this first match. The women's singles final. Uh, We've spoken about uh, Ash Barty, uh, Sam, but there are two competitors out there. Danielle Collins has been an absolute menace for her opponents uh, throughout the course of this Australian Open. She is, she's she's a brutalizer out there. It's tough to get past her. She's a mental warrior as well. So, uh, you know, mentally, it's just it's hard to overcome that hurdle, uh, let alone her actual tennis. What challenge does she pose? What threat does she pose to Ash Barty tonight? I think
0: one of the, I mean, first and foremost, she's an absolute competitor. She's a fighter. She's going to, you know give her come ons and, and fist pumps to the crowd even though she knows they're not really gonna be for her tonight but um, so she's not gonna she's not gonna lay down and, and let Ash have this. She's gonna fight to the very end. Um, and then from a, a playing standpoint she's got an incredibly good backhand. Her best shot is her backhand cross court. Um, which is going into Ash's weaker side of her backhand. So I think we're going to see uh, the tactics from, from Ash, trying to get as many forehands as possible, probably playing into Collins's forehand more. And Collins is going to try and do exactly the opposite, play into Ash's backhand more and, and get her off the court with her backhand cross court. So I, don't know, I, I think it's going to be a really good matchup. I think they, they have played four times before. Ash actually lost the last time that they played against each other in Adelaide last year. Um, but, you know, Ash has got the experience of playing in, the, in, a, in a Grand Slam final before and winning them, whereas uh, Collins doesn't have that. But yeah, she's going to bring some big tennis tonight, and, and yeah, I think it's going to be a great match.
6: 28 years old, Danielle Collins. She does have deep tournament runs in her, however, just the once at the Oz Open before had she make it into this, made it into the second week. That was in her debut year in 2019 uh, when she made it to the semifinals, losing ultimately to Petra Kvitova, but beats uh, Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova, Angelique Kerber. Caroline Garcia along the way as well. So she's got that that she can still fall back on.
0: Yeah, she's got experience of beating good players and top players. She's won a couple of titles last year. Um, she knows what it takes. Even you know, going through college tennis in America, that is high-intensity tennis, and yeah. they do anything to win there. So she knows exactly what it takes.